Gotta say, I'm seeing a lot of Robert Spillane on Chuck Merrill Field in the first couple of days at training camp. I can't help but wonder what it is that means for a certain, you know, former first-round pick. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates. Where you found this day two of training camp is in the books. Stormy weather moved the drills to the turf portion at St. Vincent College. And some players who were first team on the first day gave way to others on the second day. I'll get to the other one that was on the offensive line later with the J1Q that we have coming. But I'm way more intrigued by this rotation, and I'm using that term advisedly, that appears to be in place at inside linebacker. Now, Mike Tomlin, on the first day when this was brought up, tried to shoot it down. He he tried to suggest that it was more a matter of well, if we rotate the first-teamers in a certain way, that allows us to see more of the guys. And he cited Buddy Johnson, for example, the 2021 draft pick, uh, through regular reps and getting them more prepared for preseason games. If you buy that, if you want to buy that, go right ahead. All I'm seeing is, well, there's a rotation at inside linebacker. And there's a rotation on the offensive line at one position. And there aren't really any other rotations going on here. And all those positions have depth charts as well. So what is Spillane doing in that rotation? And how does it weigh on Devin Bush? Let's be really, really clear here. Some of the high expectations that are out there, and some are higher than others for this defense, Lay, not entirely on Bush, but he's the swing vote. That's a term that I use a lot. It's obviously from election politics, where you know that there might be one state or even just one city that can take an entire election and move it in one direction or the other. Bush kind of is that guy. As we saw last year when he was paired with a terribly ineffective Joe Schobert, especially against the run, the Steelers got gashed. And it didn't matter what they did. Almost didn't matter what they did on the defensive line. They got gashed. They got embarrassed. They had to bring their safeties up. Last time we saw that was in Troy's final year. Remember that when Dick LeBeau was forced to move Troy practically up into the line of scrimmage because nobody could tackle up there? We saw that. Not just in Minneapolis. We saw it through the better part of the season, mostly because 55 couldn't get anything done. So when Miles Jack was acquired this offseason, after the celebration subsided, because this is a player the nation definitely wanted to bring into the fold, it had been basically assumed that Jack would be paired with Bush. He'd kind of represent a, a buffer or a safety valve someone who'd partner with Bush and maybe make him a better player or at least get him back onto the trajectory that he had before he'd gotten hurt. But what if that's not 
the safety valve that's being set up. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how you'd prefer to do that studying, whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, maybe a flexible hybrid format would work best for you. Find out more about all of this at pointpark.edu. Let me put it this way. Spillane's out there a lot with the first team. And when he is, he's out there with Jack. Kind of makes sense, right? You have two different inside linebackers. Spillane is more of the old school. He's the guy that's going to be, has to be, the stout run stopper. He's the guy who sent Derrick Henry back to the other end of Tennessee at the goal line down in Nashville. And if we're being honest, he's also the guy who you don't want covering a tight end, much less a wide receiver, when those situations unfortunately present themselves. But if Bush can't recover, can't regain that rookie trajectory, then at least you've got two guys that you can trust out there to stop the run, and one of them being able to cover the pass, meaning Jack, of course. And in that context, if you're Tomlin, you're not pinning all of your hopes, all of your swing-votedness on Bush. That's a pretty smart approach. Now, Tomlin wants nothing to do with this dialogue, as I'd mentioned earlier, and he really doesn't even want to go too far when talking about Spillane. This was his answer when that subject came up yesterday. I'm really just focusing on getting him better, man. It's It's been a nice maturation process for him. Um, he asks good questions. He's a football guy. He's a junkie. Um, you're starting to see that turn up in his play, and I think that's a reasonable expectation for a guy that, that, that has that attention to detail and that passion for the game. Yep. Basically, it was don't look this way, look that way. Don't worry about it. We've got it all under control. Tomlin has been very and visibly defensive of Bush at his absolute low point last season, meaning Bush's, Tomlin had his back, wouldn't criticize him publicly to save his life, and would only reduce his snaps when he was left with no other recourse, none whatsoever. Just had to get him off the field. Now, the cynic in me says, well, that's because they're trying to protect their decision three years ago to move up in the draft to get Bush at number 10 overall. I mean, it's got to be part of it. It's just, it's got to, although they'd never admit that. None of them would. But there's another part of me that throughout the season sensed that Tomlin was grateful that Bush made the comeback from the knee surgery and participated, made himself available the entire season, and that he wasn't about to blow it back in his face. So here we are again in another situation where, rather than saying, here are my two inside linebackers, it's Jack and Bush, he's saying, well, we kind of have this rotation, but don't read too much into it because of this and because of that. He keeps having Bush's back. But at some point, at some point, 
Bush is going to have to rise up to just is. When we come back, J1Q. for just one question and that's brought to you always on this program by the personal injury law firm of luxembourg garbage kelly and george lgkg they represent people who are hurt in car accidents who need assistance with workers comp and medical malpractice claims the attorneys at lgkg have been designated super lawyers capital s capital l for the past 15 years and yes that is a real thing the super lawyer designation is reserved for the top five percent of all attorneys in Pennsylvania. Learn more about them at lgkg.com or by calling 888-842-5454. Today's J1Q, as promised in the opening segment, has to do with the other position that's got a rotation going right now. And this one comes from Tim, who asks, DK, thoughts on the revamped offensive line? Can this unit be a strength? Of the team. Uh, I mean, I'd like to think so, Tim. <laughs> you know, I'd like to think that it'll at least represent a market improvement over what we saw last season. I understand that that's already damning it with faint praise. But when you bring in an impact veteran like James Daniels, when you see Chooksakorafor solidify into the kind of quiet, non-ventful right tackle that you'd hope he'd be. And if you think about it, that's really what right tackles are, aren't they? They don't do a whole lot of splash. They don't get a whole lot of notice because they don't often get the sexiest matchups. But they do the job. That's how I think of Marcus Gilbert over the years. You didn't ever watch Gil and say, Man, he's really killing it today. But then you'd hear a stat like several weeks later that would say, did you know that he hasn't given up a sack in like two months? That's what a good right tackle does. Chooks, I think, can become that guy. Uh, A, because he's got the drive, and B, because the dude's just a physical freak. And that's a wonderful asset to have because it's one that you only get from genetics, you know? Daniels, in addition to coming with the pedigree that he does, is also only 24 years old and is hyper-intelligent, floors you when you speak with him. There's no reason for him not to be even better than he was in Chicago. Mason Cole at center, you know, if you look at his background with the Vikings and you look at the contract that he got, kind of comes with the feel of a stopgap and maybe someone who will end up being more of a C slash G the way BJ Finney was for a lot of years. You know what I'm talking about? But in the meantime, he's a center who's infinitely better than the center the Steelers had last season, Kendrick Green. And before I get to Green, I'll hop on over to left tackle where I think you have to like the incline in the play of Dan Moore 
over his rookie year. And, you know, everyone points to the Miles Garrett thing. I don't even know that I would do that because Garrett is such a dog when he plays the Steelers that it's hardly even worth evaluating him, which is one of the reasons why it just seems so nuts when anybody brings him up in the same sentence as T.J. Watt, because what we see with our own eyes is a non-existent edge rusher, let alone an elite one. But uh, full credit to Dan. Look, he got the job done. He did. And everybody on the inside loves Dan and what he can become. Which leaves us with that other rotation, that, of course, being between Green and Kevin Dotson. And this rotation, like the one I was discussing in the opening segment, flipped from day one to day two of camp, meaning that this time it was Green's turn with the first team and Kevin Dotson was bumped down. That tells me that you're going to see Mike Tomlin and everybody involved with the offense give these guys a level shot at that job while also not anointing either of them. And I think that's really important. I mentioned last year a lot how turned off I was by the apparent anointing of Green coming in with Marquise Pouncey's number handed to him and being rested after the first quarter of a preseason game as if he were some special athlete, as if he were just going to carry on the glorious mantle of Steelers centers because we hoped so. Well, that didn't happen, to say the least. Green now openly admits he didn't even like playing center. It wasn't for him. So I don't even think you're going to see him thrust into any C-slash-G equation, although that would obviously be up to the coaches ultimately. But the other side of this, and it's not to be ignored, remember that the coaches were disappointed with Dotson's preparation last summer. I reported that exclusively. I got eviscerated for it by the whole nation. Everyone, what are you making stuff up for? Dotson was mad about it. Actually referenced it again yesterday. But the fact of the matter is that the head coach backed that up publicly when I asked Tomlin at Heinz Field during the last training camp what he thought of Dotson. And he told it exactly like it was. He's got work to do. He's got to earn it. He's got to be better. I will say this forcefully. Dotson should win this job. The Steelers are a better football team if Dotson wins this job. He might be the only guy out of those five offensive linemen that I just mentioned who's capable of shoving a defender five yards, ten yards down the field on a running play. He is a brute force. But that alone won't do it. And I believe that's the message in this instance that Tomlin's sending. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We'll be back with another one Monday.